this bit's a bit shorter, and uh, then I'm going to hand over to um, to to Michael, Michael Brearley. Some of you will uh, know Michael well. Others uh, will be a new friend to you. So, good. People can join us as they get back from the loo or wherever. So we were looking at um, uh, Jesus and uh, how John presents Jesus as fully human and fully uh, divine. So just to talk a little bit more about that, Jesus really was human. So like all the gospel writers, John stresses the humanity of Jesus. Uh, We've already referred to Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus wept. Uh, again, if you're, if you're a, a Greek person, uh, your view of God was God, God being uh, impassive. Uh, although there's the, the sort of myths of uh, they're very human gods, um, having babies with all sorts of people and so on. Uh, but but the God of uh, of presented to us in in the face of Jesus is very human. Jesus wept. He's also recorded by John as being hungry, uh, thirsty, surprised angry, uh, grief-stricken, as we've seen. And so Pilate sort of sums up uh, what John describes uh, at Jesus' trial by saying, Behold the man. Um, that was, and that's the world's view, just, just a man. So it, Jesus shows us, in being fully human, uh, what a human should be. Uh, as a man, John also describes Jesus' need to pray to his father, his dependence on, on his father to direct what he said and what he did. Um, you remember Jesus says, uh, I, I say nothing of myself. Uh, I'm only saying what the Father says. He also says the same of, I, you know, I do nothing of myself. I, I, I do what I see the Father uh, doing. Uh, in this, Jesus is the perfect example for us to follow. And a, a number of Jesus' prayers are recorded, perhaps particularly the one in John uh, 17, uh, often called Jesus' high priestly prayer when he, he prays for those of us who, who would follow, prays for his disciples and then prays for those who would follow him by extension for us, that, that we may be one as he is one, as he is in the Father and as the Father is in him. So actually, if you look at it carefully, it's an incredible degree of unity that Jesus is praying for. It's, it's quite remarkable, really, that I, I'm praying that they may be in me as I am in you, Father. So there's something about those who have faith in Christ that, that we are, we don't always show this, but we, we are as one in, in a similar to way to the way in which Father and Jesus are one. That's, that's remarkable. Now, we, we don't seem to manage to achieve that very often, although this, mo- this morning might be a little bit of a microcosm of such things. But, but we, so we've got all sorts of things we differ on, but actually, Jesus is saying, hey, you're one through your faith in me. And actually, fellowship begins in God. Uh, community begins in God. Unity begins in God. That God says, I, I've placed you in Christ. Uh, and Christ is in the Father. So y- you are one. Uh, you might not like it. You might disagree with one another. But you're one. Anyway, I'm going off on one there. Sorry. Uh, <coughs> so uh, that's John 17. Uh, Jesus particularly records that, that Jesus genuinely... Uh, died. Of course, there are uh, groups of people who say Jesus just swooned on the cross and then revived in a cold tomb and so on. Jesus, uh, uh, John notes the details of the soldier piercing Jesus' side. He describes the blood and water bleeding uh, from, from the wound. 
and uh, John speaks as a direct witness to this. Uh, he says he knows that he tells the truth and he testifies. He, he's a direct witness, in other words, so that you may believe. So Jesus is really human. Uh, John's gospel also points us to his belief that Jesus is truly divine. And John is sort of structured around three kinds of evidence for Jesus being uh, God. That's the number seven again. There are seven witnesses, seven sayings and the seven miracles we've already uh, mentioned. So uh, the noun witness uh, or the verb form to to be a witness or to testify are found 41 times in the Gospel of John. And there are seven personal testimonies uh, about the truth of Jesus. Um, The the convention at the time was um, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, matters are established. So, uh, but uh, seven is a significant number for people from that uh, part of the world. It signifies completion uh, or maturity, Um, not actually perfection, but completion. So uh, he presents uh, completion of seven witnesses, seven sayings and seven miracles. Uh, Some we've mentioned, John the Baptist uh, in chapter one, he says, look, this is the lamb of God, the sacrifice provided by God. Um, Nathaniel, a little bit later, uh, confesses, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. So John is saying, look, from from within his own lifetime, these are witnesses who during his lifetime uh, saw and recognized and believed that Jesus was God or, or uh, Peter's witness. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Or Martha in the context of um, Lazarus dying. Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. That conversation uh, in chapter 11. Uh, I believe truly you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Um, Famously, Thomas. Do you remember the the incident where Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared in the room? And uh, he's like, like, and he's quite a 20th century guy, Thomas, wasn't he? Sort of, unless I can measure it, unless I see it, uh, let you, unless you prove it, I'm not going to believe anything. And then Jesus appears and rather embarrassingly says, look, here's my wounds. Put your fingers in and uh, see for yourself. And then Thomas confesses, uh, my Lord and my God. So again, a personal witness and confession. Uh, uh, and then John, uh, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of of God uh, and perhaps most importantly Jesus's self-witness the things he said himself anyone who has seen me has seen the father that's that's quite a thing to say isn't it see if you've seen me you've seen God that's the kind of thing you get locked up for saying um, uh, I am God's son uh, or in his prayer in John 17 uh, father glorify me with the presence with the glory I had with you before the world began that's 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 quite something, isn't it? You're listening into that prayer. Glorify me with the same glory I enjoyed with you before the world uh, was made. And there are other things we could talk about before Abraham was, I am, and so on. So then there's the seven sayings. So the seven witnesses, the seven sayings. Only John records those self-declarations that Jesus made. And each begins with the Hebrew word uh, Yahweh, meaning I am, which is the divine uh, name. Uh, and John puts these provocative sayings in, into contexts where Jesus kind of demonstrates the saying's truth. So there's words and actions. So, for example, I am the bread of heaven. 
i.e. The, the, the heavenly, the living bread that, like the manna given by God, uh, comes in his gospel just after the feeding of the 5,000 uh, and before going on to the Feast of the Tabernacles, uh, part of which was uh, priests presenting what they called the, bre- the, the bread of God's presence. Uh, so, so the timing and the way he sets it out, um, there's, there's the saying and then there's the context of it. Uh, I am the light of the world comes uh, just before the chapter where he heals the man that was born blind. So there's, there's the spiritual claim and then there's the, the physical thing that happens to, to, to provoke people into, well, what am, what am I going to think about this? What am I... What am I going to believe about this? I am the resurrection and the life comes in the gospel just before he raised Lazarus from the dead. So, you know, words are cheap, they say. Um, but, but there's this inaction in and uh, context that Jesus says these things in. Uh, I'm the door for the sheep. Um, some people say that's a reference to the, the, the tabernacle, beginning of John, that says Jesus um, tabernacled or pitched his tent for a while amongst us. Uh, uh, so, uh, which Jewish people would have understood the reference to the tabernacle and the, pres- the presence of God in the, in the wilderness. Uh, others talk about the ark. Um, so you, you can make what you what you want of that, really. But he's saying, oh, "I'm the door uh, for the sheep." Uh, certainly, it was provocative enough for the people listening, because you might think, "Well, a door is just a door." It was they understood it sufficiently that they wanted to stone him for saying it. So, so it meant more than, "Well, I'm a door." <laughs> That they, underst- they understood he was making big claims. Uh, other people suggested it's the door of the ark. In other words, you, you come through me. If you don't come through me, you're in trouble. Um, so either way, they understood this was he was making big claims. Uh, I am the good shepherd all through the Old Testament. Uh, shepherd is certainly used for leaders, but is also used as a name for God. Uh, most famously, Psalm, <laughs> Psalm 23. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. So Jesus is saying, I am the good or perfect or ideal shepherd. Uh, I am the way, the truth and the life is uh, an extraordinarily exclusive claim, isn't it? I, I, I'm it. If you, want, if, you, if you want to know the way to get through life, it's me. <laughs> if you want to, know what the tr- want to know what the truth is, I'm the truth. If you want life, I'm where the life is. That's an extraordinary uh, claim. Uh, he who has seen me has seen the Father and I am the true vine. We looked at that. Uh, already so life is found in staying connected to jesus who's who's the true vine um who's in, a, in effect the old testament the vine is used of god's people most often uh so jesus is reforming and enlarging god's people and saying that the way to be part of this is to be joined to me to receive life from me so that's the seven sayings backing up the seven witnesses and then there's the seven miracles which i think we've already uh, mentioned uh, turning water into wine uh, an abundance of wine is seen in the old testament i don't know if this is in the notes or not um isaiah 25 and amos 9 is as a, a sign of god's promised kingdom was often talked about in terms of a rich harvest and vats overflowing and that plentiful uh, wine so that the miracle um john says this is the first sign he doesn't say wow what a party they had although i'm sure they did he said, this, this is a sign of what God is doing. There's an abundance of wine. His kingdom is coming. Uh, healing the nobleman's son uh, at, at a distance. Uh, healing by the pool of Bethesda after 38 years. 
feeding 5,000 people, walking on water, uh, sight for the man born blind, and the raising of Lazarus. So again, another seven miracles. John really likes seven. Um, it'd be nice to have a chat to him, to him about it one day. See, what's this? What is? What is all this about seven? Be, uh, he might have a completely different explanation. So, uh, so John s- says that these signs point to Jesus's divinity. So he claims divinity. Uh, there's a context, and then there's the miracles. Uh, there's also, in terms of his divinity, divinity, his relationship. To the Father, as presented by John, he's very close to the Father. He's sent by the Father. He's one with the Father. He's obedient to the Father. Uh, he who has seen me has seen uh, the Father. And much of the argument revolves around opposition to his claim to be God. So um, the, he, he wasn't opposed for healing people. He wasn't opposed for doing nice teaching. He was opposed because he said, I'm God. Uh, uh, And that led to his um, stoning. So uh, 8 verse 58 is another example. Before Abraham was, I am. At this they took up stones as if to stone stone him. So John's gospel is the most direct about Jesus' uh, uh, claim to be God. Uh, And it starts in... in, uh, in John chapter 1, uh, the word, the logos, was, was with God. The word means face-to-face, face-to-face, and, uh, and was God. Uh, and ends with Thomas's confession, uh, my Lord and my God. So it's the clearest on that kind of uh, level. There's lots of other um, themes, just checking the time. Um, so uh, in the Old Testament, um, there's the word glory. That appears quite a lot. Uh, in the Old Testament, that's a word... Uh, reserved for God himself uh, usually used of God's uh, presence coming down or being manifested uh, God's praise and God's power being shown uh, God's glory Um, John as I mentioned just now John 1.14 uses the same uh, word for God dwelling amongst us as a man as is used for the tabernacle in the Old Testament uh, the place where God's glory uh, uh, dwelt in the form of the ark and occasionally uh, his glory was said to fill the tabernacle and later uh, the temple so it's uh, in other words he's using vocabulary of how God was present in the tabernacle or the temple he's using that same vocabulary uh, for Jesus so John is claiming that Jesus displays the splendor of God through his life and ministry through his death and resurrection uh, we ought to mention the word logos, which is the word word. It's difficult to say that. So uh, in the beginning uh, was word and the word was with God, face to face with God and uh, so on. So Mark begins his gospel when Jesus is about 30 years old. Uh, Matthew starts with the miraculous <coughs> conception and he goes back as far as he's, he does the genealogy thing uh, back to Abraham. Uh, Luke stresses the humanity of Jesus and goes all the way back and starts with Adam. Uh, John goes further back still and says Jesus is the word. He exists pre-creation as God. Referring, I suppose, if you were Jewish and and you heard the word word, you would remember Genesis uh, chapter 1. God speaking and God all through the scripture is a speaking uh, God. So Jews would be familiar with that. Uh, what what do you call Jesus pre-creation? Um, 
when he's not been named Jesus. Um, uh, well, they came up with logos or the word, and there's a there's a bit of a background uh, to that for those interested. If you're not interested, have a little snooze and get ready for Michael. So, uh, so Heraclitus lived in Ephesus about 600 years before John, and uh, he was a philosopher, and he looked for um, looked as philosophers tend to do, you know, what, what more modern people have looked for a unifying, a unifying theory of the universe, haven't they? That sounds a bit Dawkins. Uh, uh, he was doing the same 600 years before the time of Christ. He was looking for the purpose or the logic of life, whether, whether he was looking at the weather or whether he was looking at biological life. And he, he used the word logos for the reason why. The reason why things are as they are, the, the first cause, the cause of everything. So uh, John knew that that word had, had echoes of meaning for Jewish people, because in the beginning God said, let there be light, and there was light and so on. They would know those Old Testament scriptures. But he also knew that it had echoes for Greek people as well, and he's in that cross of <laughs> cultures. So he could use that word and Jews would remember that history and Greeks would remember, hey, he's saying Jesus is the ultimate cause. He's the purpose why everything exists. Uh, Then a bit later in time in Alexandria in Egypt, a chap called Philo was involved in translating the Old Testament into Greek, what's called um, Septuagint, 70 scholars. And uh, Philo was one of them, who's a Jewish scholar. He used the word logos for his Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, and uh, but he insisted that logos shouldn't be an it. It's not uh, an it. It's a person, and so he personalised the word word. Is that making sense? Okay. Uh, in other words, he said logos is a he, not an it. Similar to the way the book of Proverbs. If you read Proverbs, the section about wisdom, it says you know wisdom's on the street shouting out. He's he personifies wisdom. So, so John is combining that the Jewish understanding of Genesis and possibly the Greek understanding and, and saying, hey, the reason behind everything is a person. It's Jesus. And God is speaking into the world he made. If you want to know what the reason, what the cause of everything is, what the purpose of everything is, it's Jesus. So <coughs> John chapter 1 is a, a absolutely... Um, fascinating scripture. Um, uh, perhaps we just read it, because that makes a good way of... Uh... <coughs> Ending this bit. John chapter 1. Um, I'm reading from the NIV. You, you may have a different translation. In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, and so on and so forth. It's a great, great passage, whatever whatever version you read it in. Uh, and so we, we see here some of what John <coughs> says about Logos, about Jesus, uh, his eternal nature. Jesus, as the word, was already there before what we know as the beginning, an uncreated Jesus, before there was a word, uh, where everything was made, Everything that's been made has been made with his involvement, uh, his personality. Uh, he was with God, l- literally, uh, I'm led to believe, uh, it, it indicates a being face to face. He was face to face with God and, and, and intimacy, of, uh, a phrase, n- not a romantic phrase, but a phrase of two people looking into each other's eyes with a sense of love. Um, actually, Trinity, uh, I, I think Trinity is necessary to believe if you believe God is love uh, because love is never a solitary thing it always involves persons Um, anyway his his eternal nature his personality his deity the logos was eternally face to face with God and was God equally involved in creating everything and then his humanity the word became flesh that's at the heart of Christianity isn't it the word became flesh and pitched his tent amongst us, tabernacled with us, lived amongst us. It, it says, I like pitched his tent. I think that's rather nice. Uh, and we beheld his glory. So o- only an eternal Jesus can give us everlasting life. Because he's a person, we can have relationship with, this, with him and he understands our humanity. Uh, because he's God, he can forgive us as our, our sins. Because he's human, he can represent us and make atonement for us to take the consequences of our human failings as our representative. Amen? Good. Well, there's a little bit more in the notes, um, but I I think I'm going to stop there. Everyone's been emailed. If you haven't been emailed, you will be emailed notes of this session. John insists we shouldn't just know the story of Jesus. he doesn't want us to leave there. He pushes us, whether we want to or not, to say, well, what do I make of these pointers? What do I make of these huge claims? What do I make of the fact that they seem to be uh, backed up with actual events? Uh, we could talk much more about uh, Jesus and what he says about the Holy Spirit uh, and uh, other things like that.